always freaking forget your name. How many episodes have we been doing? And I still like always call myself big. Maybe you just we like, need podcast t-shirts. Yeah. Name tags for the rest of our podcast career. Hi, I'm Big. And I am White. And together we are Big and White. And you are listening to the Big and White Podcast, a podcast where we explore what it means to be a foreigner in Asia. So, what are we talking about today, White? Well, today we are, as per usual, talking about ourselves. (laughs) But specifically, we are talking about the work that we ourselves do. Yeah, pretty exciting stuff. But before we get to that, I want to hear about some even more exciting stuff, a.k.a. how was your week? My week was pretty good. I think the most notable thing that happened to me this week was an Instagram ad. (laughs) (laughs) We we live real exciting lives here in Nepal, you guys. It's all adventure and just pure (laughs) bliss. So, actually, what um, precipitated this precipitated? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes I really question my English. Anyway, um, what? why this Instagram ad came about was because we went shopping with some other friends this week, and there happens to be a, uh, what's the brand? Pilot. Pilot. There's a Pilot pen store. And we were really excited about this because it's like an actual pen store. It's hard to explain if you haven't been to Nepal why that would be exciting at all. But basically, we're poor big old nerds. quality pens. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big life challenge of ours. Um, so we were like, oh yeah, we should totally go. And then we didn't end up going because we were super exhausted. But this morning, a couple of days after we have gone. My Instagram ad came up with Pilot Pen Nepal. (laughs) (laughs) It knows. Ah, yes. Thank you, Google. Do you think it's from, like, messaging me about it a thousand times? Or do you think it's from it, like, creepily listening in on you talking? That's a good question, because we have talked about it. But, like, I know that Google does listen in once in a while. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking about that. Like, even if they're listening to ambient noise... New Road, where we were, is super loud. So yeah. can you imagine my phone in my bag, okay, like, but listening we in and it, hearing like, that? at lunch. We talked about it in the taxi. We talked about it in the office the days yeah, before I guess we went. So. We were really excited about this <laughs> And store. we didn't even end up going. <laughs> guys, uh, we'll check back in with you later once we go. Oh, my gosh. We'll post some videos or something. <laughs> it's going to be a joyous occasion. <laughs> and while that's... Either way, I'm not mad about it. Yeah, I mean, targeted ads typically are at least yeah. useful. I mean, I visited the profile when I saw it, so <laughs> it worked. It looked about what you would expect a pen ad to look like. So. Anyway, yeah, my exciting life. What about you? What happened to you? Mm, what happened to me? So I went on field work, and then I was sick, so I haven't worked out for like two weeks. And then this <laughs> week, I was like, I'm going to work out. And then I totally killed myself. <laughs> I went to like I well all the workouts are things I don't normally do, so I went to this like weird 
body sculpt class that felt like the 80s. Yes. <laughs> and then I went to a CrossFit class, which was really good, but CrossFit is hard. And then, so that was in the afternoon on Thursday. And then on Friday morning, I went to your weird piloxing class. <laughs> I was dying. Like, we were doing very easy things, but I was so sore from the it days before you, that I, like, couldn't. And the teacher was like, try harder. And I was like, I got like such a whim. And now today, when I got out of bed, I was so tight. I tried to stretch. I was like, it hurts. Yeah. So you did good, exciting kid. week. Yeah. I'm glad to be back in the swing of things, but yeah. it was a painful start. <laughs> and it's hard when you're like, it's a new exercise that your body isn't familiar right. with. Right. Yeah. That's the thing I feel like, you know, because I've been like doing powerlifting and stuff. So I think, oh, I should be really strong. But that's a really different kind of exercise than something that works more on your endurance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's kind of actually can be discouraging sometimes because you're like, I've been working out so much. And then you try a new thing and you can't do it at yeah. all. And you're like, well, back to square one. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. It's good though. Good to cross train, I guess is what that's mm-hmm. called. Try different things. You're so well-rounded. You know it, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so on to what our episode is actually about. You can't see me nodding my head enthusiastically. (laughs) Prompting me on. (laughs) Big, uh, you want to tell our beautiful viewers at home what we actually do for a living? Yeah, I can see right through this podcast at you guys, and you are gorgeous. Just want to throw they, it out there. You really are. We have the beautiful. most beautiful podcast audience mm. of any podcast, really. Yep. I can tell. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I would love to explain to you guys what we do, because I think, A, it is super interesting, and B, a lot of people think we do something different than what we actually do. Yes, the struggle is real. <laughs> so we are sociolinguists, which uh, Wikipedia says, sociolinguistics is the descriptive study of the effect of any and all aspects of society, including cultural norms, expectations, and context on the way language is used and society's effect on language. So basically, sociolinguistics is looking at language, but instead of just looking at the language itself, it's more looking at like how people perceive the language or how different cultural things affect language and how people use it. So our job specifically is we are researchers in relation to sociolinguistics. And if any of y'all have ever done research, you know that it's all about the glamour and the grind. Yes. So it's like 80% grind and 20% glamour. (laughs) But we're mostly going to talk about the glamour today. Hooray! Lucky you people. You're welcome. You don't want to hear about that fact that both of us spent 80 combined hours this week working on word lists and listening to people talk listening to people repeat the same word over and over yes 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 <laughs> you guys what letter is that help me can someone help anyway we'll anyway, explain that in a second because but yeah so basically uh, a little overview of our job is we get a research question about a language and 
they might vary. So maybe there's a language that has never really been researched before. So we need to get kind of an understanding of where it's spoken and what the situation is. Or we might have to do something a little more detailed, maybe like a dialect survey. So we know this language has a few different dialects, but we don't know how well they can understand each other. Try to figure that out. Or other things like I'm working right now on an extensibility survey, which means that one dialect of this language has like written materials and a dictionary and all this like textbooks and stuff. So I'm trying to figure out if the other dialect is similar enough that they can use the same books and such. So once we have our questions, then we plan some tools and that will help us answer those questions. And those can vary a lot. We have some that are like kind of hard data or quantitative data like word lists. So we were just describing that where we get a list of words, exactly how it's spoken in various villages. And then we compare those lists. And we also do something called recorded texts. Tests? <laughs> Tests? Man, There's that's a reason we never say the whole... We use the subject. acronym RTTs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that is when we play a story for people. And then we have comprehension questions to see how well they can understand the language. But most of our data actually is more qualitative. So things like observing people, how they behave, surrounding the language, uh, how often they use the language throughout their daily life, interviewing people to ask them what they think about their language or the way it's spoken in other places. Uh, we also do things where we ask the community stuff together, kind of like have a community discussion and say like, oh, where's your language spoken? And that kind of thing. So that's kind of the nitty gritty. And then after we go to the field, we do all these cool things, and then we come home and work in the office forever and ever. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, like, for me, besides the whole research part, which I love because I'm a nerd, it's fun to get to go out to the village and talk to people and sort of get them to think about the things that they normally don't even notice about yeah. how they interact in their yep. daily life. Like, here's an example of maybe you listeners, if you aren't super multilingual, like a lot of people in Asia are, you still have different like registers. So you would talk differently to like your best friend than you would to maybe like your boss or your grandma, unless your grandma's like super cool. maybe, <laughs> Or your boss. <laughs> or you have a super cool boss. I'm White's boss. Or your grandma is your boss. <laughs> also, but see, I, I fit all these categories. <laughs> I defy categorization. No, but like if you think about that, you don't make a conscious decision usually. Maybe you do. You don't say like, okay, I'm going to go meet my boss. I better be professional now. You just kind of slip into that persona and then your language changes accordingly. And for a lot of people around the world who are multilingual, that's sort of how their life works too. And so asking them questions that get them to realize like, oh yeah, when I talk to my friends, I use my village language. But when I talk to my kids, I use Nepali. I never noticed that. Why do I do that? It's really interesting and yeah. cool. So, of course, we also, like, study all this theory about, like, why people might make the language choices that they do and try to figure out some of those factors in the different languages that we study. It's fun. We have an amazing job. We really do. You I guys mean, are jealous. It's hard, but, like, awesome. Yeah, it totally is. And then once we have kind of the products of our work, then that supports... Lots of other things like just general awareness about languages, like helping the government know how many languages are in their country, um, broad academic knowledge as well. Just like our organization maintains a list of all the languages that are spoken in the whole world. 
It also helps with choices for language development, like who should work together to make dictionaries and books and that kind of thing. But that's sort of the distant results of our work. But we also hope that we can raise awareness in the communities that we visit specifically and encourage them to keep using the language and encourage them that their language matters and it's important. Yeah. And that's some of the best part of our job. If you can see, like you're talking about with doing interviews and they're like, oh, huh, I never thought about it. Why do I use Nepali in this situation and my own language in another? Like see the light bulb go on or, you know, they're like, wow, yeah, our language, like the kids aren't speaking the language anymore. What what should we do about that? We don't want that to happen. It's really cool to be able to see action happening in the communities. Yeah, I I also, one of the things um, that for me is like one of the coolest moments when we're out in the village and like talking to people is I really love talking to women, usually older women, but even younger women too, who, especially in certain parts of this country where culturally women are seen as like second class citizens Mm. and getting the chance to just give them that assurance like that their voice matters and their opinions and behaviors matter and you know even outsiders who are coming to their village like are interested in what they have to say in their opinions and yeah I I don't know I've had a few experiences where I feel like that's been really encouraging for the person Mm -hmm. that I talk to and I feel so grateful that I'm able to kind of be in that role yeah what else do you love about going to the village or like what's some kind of cool moments that you've had so in Nepal there are like three distinct geographic areas there's the southern area that's like super low elevation and super hot and then there's like the hills where we live that is a little bit higher elevation but um, not as high as the third geographic range which would be all of the mountains so super high elevation and like I say mountains I mean mountains are things that are have snow on them all year round everything else is a hill okay so we got that out of the way so we get to go to <laughs> all of these different areas on our surveys. And um, a few months ago, I got to go on one that was kind of in the hills and then it was also in the mountains. It was out west. And um, it was like a little bit of a longer field work. And so it was three weeks. And so at the end of three weeks of being in these kind of remote villages and having to trek in and out, we like finished our work. And so we at this point, we were just trekking out so that we could meet a bus or a jeep and go back to Kathmandu. And I really had nothing to do with the planning of this trip at all. I literally (laughs) just showed up and was like, yeah, okay, let's kind of the bus do it. Yeah. (laughs) No responsibility. Oh, it's amazing. So I and I really I'm not like a planner. Anyway, I don't sweat those kind of details, especially if I'm not in charge of them. And so anyway, I didn't realize that it was going to be in the mountains. And so on one of our last days of trekking out, we rose in elevation pretty significantly. So we were at like 4,000 meters. I don't know what that is in feet. It's like 13,000 feet. Okay. So we like get into our little hotel for the night and it's raining and we can't see anything. It's already dark. And then by the time we get up, it's snowing. And so you just see you're surrounded by mountains that you didn't know existed when you went to bed because it was dark and raining (laughs) and clouds were covering them. We're like, oh, my gosh, where are we? (laughs) That's amazing. And then we trekked up into the snow 
and gradually just got higher and higher until the point that we were just in the middle of these mountains. I mean, it was just incredible. And we were the only people there, like not even tracks, like nobody lives up there. Wow. And um, yeah, and it was just mountains 360. You're walking through snow that's completely fresh. And it was one of the most beautiful places that I've ever been to just because it felt so wild. Yeah, yeah. That sounds and, amazing. Yeah, so that was one of the more like this is what people think I do all the time. Yeah. <laughs> they think and this I is what Kathmandu is like. <laughs> you know, just like mountains everywhere. But it was actually really, really special. That's so cool. I feel like that's kind of one of the things I love, too, about survey field work is that, I mean, A, you get to go to these amazing places. Yeah. But also, you aren't a tourist, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, you kind of get to see the world through other people's eyes i mean you're not a local obviously but you're also not in like that tourist role of like i hiking in the mountains in nepal and Mm -hmm. you know you're kind of yeah you get to go to places that tourists might not go and you get to see things that tourists might not see you get to stay in people's homes and because you know the language you actually get to talk to people and yeah, yeah it's pretty incredible it really is but it's not all fun and games we're making it sound amazing. It's also really hard, our trips to the village. I've been on more field works than you, right? But what, like, what for you is some of the hardest things about going on field work, going to the village for work? Well, for one, I get sick every single time that I go on field work. Yeah, what is your body doing? I feel like the opposite happens to me. It's like my body holds it together. Like, we will not get sick. We will not get sick. And then the minute I get home, I get sick. (laughs) You're like day one on the bus, like going to the village. (coughs) Yeah. Like, oh, no. Um, I have been, uh, how many field works? Four or five field works? And uh, I've gotten sick. I mean, the last one that we just went on, within the last couple of weeks, I didn't get sick. But then with like on our rest day, the day after we get back, then I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, is that a sore throat? No, no, no. <laughs> I thought I was going to have one where I didn't get sick. And then, yeah, I got a cold that developed over a week that kind of has knocked me down a bit. Sad. I wonder though if it's Partly, well, I, for me, I think though the hardest thing about field work is just like being sleep deprived, you yeah. know. But I wonder if that's part of it is like your immunity goes down because you're just tired and overwhelmed. I mean, I'm sure. It's. I mean, for the first ones that I did when I didn't quite know what field. I mean, you never entirely know what field work is going to look like. Everyone is different, but you know, when it was really new to me, then I would be really stressed out, and so that makes sense that you know I would get sick during it. And but now I'm. I don't get really stressed out about going on field work. Mm-hmm. So then it's just kind of annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I still sick? Come on. Yeah. I, for me, it's like, well, this is kind of like what I dread when I'm thinking about going. I love packing. So I like, get all excited. I start packing <laughs> and then I'm like, I start slowing down. Like, it's going to be so hard. <laughs> I mean, the longer I live here, the more I do it, the easier mm-hmm. it gets for sure. But I think, you know, you're using Nepali all the time, which is tiring. You're in uncertain social situations, which is tiring. You don't get any introvert time, which is tiring. <laughs> you're probably not going to sleep very well, which is tiring. It just like all compounds on itself. So yeah, it's 
exhausting, but you have to fight it and pretend like you're in a great mood all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you get home, you just crash and die and stay in bed for two days. Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of nice when you get home because then you have such a great excuse, you know. Like, yeah, you don't feel guilty about yeah. resting. They're like, oh my gosh, please don't come to this meeting. I totally understand that you need to be at <laughs> yes. home right now. And if you do go out, then they're like, oh. I can't believe you did that. That's so incredible. This means so much to you, obviously. Um, and yeah, and I don't know if you mentioned this, but just the waiting around, like the uncertainty of field work is mm -hmm. actually really hard. And again, this is something that I think that if you're not the one who is leading yeah. the field work, like you're not the head researcher, then it's fine. Because you're like, whatever, I'm just going to read my Kindle book and you can just like come and get me when I need to do an interview. Yeah. But um, if you're the one who's in charge of it, then you can't really ever settle down because you're like, should I be doing something else? Should I be talking to our guide? Should I be like finding interviews? I don't know what to do. And sometimes you have whole days where you don't get to do anything. You're just waiting around in like a hundred degree house oh all day long. <laughs> You're like, please just let me work. I would love to work right now. Right. Yeah. It sounds like it shouldn't be stressful. It's like, oh, you didn't do anything, but it is. I think for me too, something that's hard about that is every field work is different because every language that you work with, mm -hmm. the people group has a different culture. So a lot of the groups here are more time oriented. I mean, are less time oriented than Westerners, you know, so more event oriented. So if things start late, like that's fine. But then in other groups, if you show up late, then that's a problem and people will leave and you can't interview them. And so it's not just the uncertainty of the moment, but it's like you never get better at that because yeah. <laughs> every language group we work with is different. So you can't learn like what the rules are and like you can't create realistic expectations. Right. Uncertainty is exhausting. Okay, so those are some things we dread. Oh, one more thing I dread is 5,000 Facebook friend requests. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> During yes. and after yes. field work. <laughs> All these people you didn't even meet, but now that you made friends with one person from their village, now they're like, ooh, yep. mutual friend, I'm going to request you. <laughs> but you know what? Nepalis are so supportive on Facebook. It's like every single picture that I post all my Nepali friends like it and That's like true. will comment and not just on my picture, but just the pictures of me and things, you know, that someone else. Yes. Yeah, of like my sister's picture of me. And they're like, hello, how are you? Like, you are so beautiful. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. so it's pretty good for like boosting likes. That is true. You're right. It's <laughs> always my goal. But, yeah. Actually, something else that I really dread about field work is, I mean, we talked about in the last section that we're not tourists, but if you go to a place that has a lot of tourists coming through, then they yeah, think that you are a tourist and you don't yeah. have time to correct them. And so on that same field work that we were up in the amazing mountains, um, we entered a trekking route and we had not been in this kind of environment for the last three weeks. So suddenly everybody like wants to talk to us instead of kind of being like, what are you? So they're all like, all these little kids are rushing up to us. Namaste. 
namaste like saying hello to us oh my and gosh. i counted at some point this was my worst day okay my feet were like falling apart it was not good it was <laughs> the most pain i have ever been in a day oh my god anyway and i counted and within 30 minutes we got 60 namastes <gasps> wow it what did you did cr- you just like ignore people I mean, there were three of us, so yeah. usually, like, one person would say namaste, so, like, okay. you wouldn't have to do it every single time. I wasn't saying anything, because if I started <laughs> to talk, I would have burst into tears. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get real grumpy sometimes. Uh, I just ignore people. Yeah. Wow, that's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you might, if you come to Nepal and you go trekking, and, like, little kids come out, and they're like, namaste, you're like, oh, you're so adorable, but... Not always. Yeah. <laughs> Not when there's 60 and 30 minutes. We also, so we do get confused for tourists sometimes, but more commonly, we get confused for students. Everyone yeah. is like, oh, you're doing research? Where are you a student? Like, mm-hmm. what's your university? And it's really hard to explain to people, like, no, we're, this is our job. Like, yeah. we just do research and it's not for our personal benefit. And I think part of the reason is that a lot of people come to Nepal to do research and I don't think they intend to be like selfish or something, but often they won't send their results back to the community mm-hmm. or, you know, the community spends all this time with them and then they never hear back from the researchers. So. Yeah, they just disappear into the ether. So that is something cool about our work. When we get done, we give a report back to the community and... Yep, we send them record all the recordings that we've taken yeah. of like stories and, and word pictures. lists and pictures. Yeah, mm-hmm. sometimes we'll have like a program too, yeah. where we kind of explain the results of the survey and stuff. So that's fun. So another feature of field work is you never know exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> some, some crazy things go down. Like I haven't even been doing this a year, and I could have. I could tell so many stories. It would last a whole day. I know. I feel like it's almost hard like to think of stories because there's so many. It's like, yeah. where do you even start? And at some point, like things that were crazy aren't crazy anymore. That's so you're true. like, this is just kind of normal and expected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably like after my first field work, I'd be like, oh my gosh, you guys, guess what happened? So they gave us our food and then they sat and watched us eat it. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, obviously they would do that. Yeah. No, I'm just like, oh, excuse me, can you bring me some salt? Yes. <laughs> I'm so used to it. Where's the lady with the vegetables? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. There are some, though, that will always be crazy. Like, you've gotten so many marriage proposals. I don't know. If there's yeah, something man. about you. That was mostly from one. <laughs> no, that was from two surveys that I think all of them happened. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've not gotten a marriage. <laughs> mm. You just got to go into communities where alcoholism is present and mm, you too could perfection. have a marriage proposal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. People. <laughs> I've had, oh my gosh. I feel like um, just like the travel part, a lot of good stories come from that, like going from village to mm-hmm. village. Like, I, I did a long trip where we trekked a lot, and that was pretty crazy. I think one of my craziest travel moment was in my very first survey. We had to cross this big river to get from one village to another. And we stopped to talk to this guy, and it started getting dark, which, like, in hindsight, 
we should have just left soon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we get to the village, I mean, to the river. And this is a people group that lives on the river. So they all start swimming like before they can walk. <laughs> so they're amazing swimmers. I'm like, you guys can swim, right? And I'm a pretty strong swimmer, but I'm used to the ocean. I'm not good at rivers, <laughs> which I learned from <laughs> experience. So they're like, okay, all these guys came to help. And it's like pretty dark by this time. And the river is quite wide. So there's two sections. The first section is uh, pretty deep and not not as wide so they're like okay so give your bag to this guy and then swim across with him so you have to like hold his arm and you guys will just walk across and then um he'll hold your bag on his head so it doesn't get wet and in my bag was the computer the recording equipment like all this data right and i'm like okay kind of nervous and so we start crossing the river and I'm holding onto his arm and it gets pretty deep and he's a little taller than me, but we get to this point where I was like on my tippy toes, like barely getting across <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he's going to drop my bag in the drink. I just know it. So I was like, you go on without me. Like, I'll be fine. And I let go. <laughs> the current like swept me away. <laughs> So then I like kept trying to cross it. I couldn't do it, so I had to go back to the first bank and start oh. over. So embarrassing. And then, so I, I someone else helped me cross. And then um, for the second part, it wasn't as deep, but it was faster. So we all like went in a line. We all mm. linked arms, held each other's elbows, and like walked across slowly. So I got to the far side, and my original guy that was helping me was sitting on the bank, like lounging next to my bag. He was like, hello. <laughs> like, hi. <laughs> Did you take a drink of water? <laughs> like, yeah. He's like, I-, I thought maybe you weren't going to make it. <laughs> like, oh, man. It was so embarrassing. It was also hilarious yeah. and amazing. <laughs> I can picture him like setting up like, mm, I'm going to make a good show for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. He was very proud of himself. <laughs> yeah. What else? Oh, how about your the word list that you guys recorded? Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is my favorite. You guys, I love toilet humor. Get ready. Uh, well, actually, making getting this word list in general was really difficult because, like, I was trying to do it with an old man, and he wasn't very like clear, so he had a lot of people helping him. So I, you know, you ask him like, in your language, how do you say body? And he says it, and I write it phonetically. And as we're, like, all working together, then this, like, drunk guy comes up and, sister, sister, please, come outside. Come outside with me. No, no, I'm working right now. Come outside. Just a minute. Come outside. Until the point where everyone in the room is like, she can't come outside. (laughs) Go away. (laughs) At least they were supporting you. (laughs) Oh, they, yeah, it was good. Um, so we finally got the actual word list and then we were recording it. So we went to another house and recorded it with somebody else who had two kids. And as we're recording the word list, <laughs> this uh, little toddler um, just did, did he even have pants? I don't know. And he like <laughs> pulled down his pants inside the house and they just have like um, dirt floors, but they keep their houses really clean, but mm-hmm. dirt floors. And he just squats down and poops. <laughs> and he pooped so loudly. It was like every noise machine, fart noise, poop noise that you've heard. Like that perfection. was it. 
<laughs> so like listening to the sound recording because we're yeah we're recording at this point we got all of this down so like listening to the recording later on you know we're like saying the word and then in the background <gasps> you know this happens and then everyone pauses we're like <laughs> <laughs> and it's so it's so clear in the it's recording amazing. like usually i feel like when you record a word list you make the settings on the microphone and stuff so you don't get a lot of ambient noise like it's just the person talking but i don't know what was going on the holy Somehow, spirit intervened <laughs> it's like fate god wanted that fart on your recording it's really incredible yeah it's beautiful i wish i could share it with you guys but. <laughs> Uh, I have one of my other favorite stories from the survey was on the remote mountain survey that I did. We were going from one village to another and there was nowhere in between to stay except this kind of like ghost town village. So it's a place where people come seasonally to herd their yaks like you do. <laughs> but there at that time of year, there wasn't anyone there. There was one old man in this village <laughs> with like 30 houses. Oh my gosh. And the houses are kind of feel like like hunting cabins, you know, where it's like people store stuff there because they're going to go there, but like you don't live there all the time or whatever. But we had gotten a key to one, so we were staying in one. So we're in like this insanely remote place in the Himalayas. It's freezing cold. We build a fire inside the house. We're like trying to dig around and find something to eat. And then we, so our guide and our porter started cooking for us. And we were like, oh, you know, let's like have a relaxing evening. And we had brought Star Wars to watch. (laughs) So we sit down and we get all our blankets around and our porter and our guide come and they're sitting with us. And so it was like this surreal moment of watching Star Wars, the first one, in the Himalayas in this random place and cooking something that the old man had given us. We didn't know yet. And we're like, wow, this is so cool. And our porter gets up and he's like, so you guys are making soup, but I'm finished with this. Do you want one? And he hands us each uh, like dried, boiled yak hoof. He's <laughs> like, you can just like gnaw the meat off of it. Enjoy. So we're sitting there like gnawing on yak hooves watching Star Wars. It was like, this is maybe the weirdest moment of my whole life. I'm like suddenly picturing if, you know, they sell, they sold hooves at movie theaters instead of popcorn. Everyone's Dude, just like, nang, nang. Nang. <laughs> yes. I love that. Mm. We should start that trend. Yeah, that we will definitely stay in business. Yes. 100% <laughs> sure. It's like just weird enough that it could get hit, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll like be delivered in a mason jar and all the hipsters will love it. <laughs> all the non-vegan hipsters. Yes. <laughs> True. So what, I mean, it's so fun to like have all these crazy experiences and stuff, but what do you think you like look forward to the most when you have a fieldwork survey coming up? Well, one thing that I get really excited about is that I don't spend personal money while I'm on survey. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, man, I'm starting to spend a lot of money that I don't need to. I better go on survey soon. (laughs) Especially if it's a long survey. I like I have one of those like money tracking apps and it's like, you know, like over budget in February, over budget in March, April, you spend ten (laughs) dollars. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's a good one. I think another one I'm going to say this for you is adorable animals. I feel like this is your yeah, thing. Yeah, I do Every get really excited. That's really true. Some animals. 
I get like weirdly excited about um, chickens and cows. Those are my soft and spots. Pigs. Baby pigs. Yeah, and baby goats, but like baby animals in That's general. True. But... Just be... I love it. Was like we're like the weird white people taking pictures. And these people <laughs> yeah. are like, mm. it's like part of our daily yeah. life is these animals, and you're like, oh my god. <laughs> But, it. like, to be fair, have you ever watched a chicken run full speed <laughs> from, like, across a valley? Because that is life-changing. <laughs> like, just this white speck from, like, a half a mile away, just, like, <laughs> just going. I think my favorite chicken I've ever seen was on your field work. <laughs> there was the chicken who like was missing a lot of feathers, but just had like full leg feathers from the yeah. knee down. And we called him old pantaloon. Ah, the pantaloon. <laughs> Strutting around with his like fancy feet feathers. Yes. <laughs> and I always have a favorite cow too. You do. Oh, we have, we see such cute cows. <laughs> you hear it's the emotion in her voice. She's dying. <laughs> you just don't get to be that up close with most animals if you're not a farmer True, in America. Yeah, yeah. Especially not cows. What about like 4-H? I guess farmers do 4-H. I mean, I was in 4-H and all that I did was photography. So it doesn't <laughs> necessarily mean <laughs> you're going to have a bunch of animals. I'm a city girl. I don't know about 4-H. <laughs> uh, oh, that's great. Yeah, I mean, besides, like, the obvious things, like, all the cool stuff that we already talked about, I really like getting a break from the internet. Yeah. I mean, if we go to the jungle areas, typically you have 3G, so then you probably still spend too much time on Instagram. But if you go, like, on a mountain survey or just to a more remote village, then you just can't get online. And I love that i don't have the self-control to do it myself in my normal life but when i'm forced to not have access to the internet i feel so free Mm -hmm. and clean and amazing yeah the survey that i went on that was three weeks long i read like uh at least what was it it was like eight seven or or eight books yeah (laughs) and it wasn't like short books it was like game of thrones (laughs) and um (laughs) some other very lengthy ones i'm impressed yeah that's never happened since yeah my other thing that i look forward to is spending time with coworkers like you actually the genesis of our podcast was on field was work. on field You're work right we were so sleep deprived and we were like we're so funny <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we should start a podcast <laughs> and then by the end of the field work it was like oh my gosh are we actually gonna start a podcast is this gonna happen yes it did follow through wow we're so cool i know and us. hilarious so funny oh my gosh guys. good job <laughs> <laughs> okay the last thing we want to talk about is All the unnecessary things that we pack. Yes. Which actually aren't that many. Yeah. I mean, we try to pack really light, especially because, I mean, you're not always having to carry your bag far. Like, sometimes you're just taking the bus. You're not, like, hiking. But we have a ton of work stuff that we have to bring. We have these heavy microphones and recorders. We have a bunch of books for interviews. And sometimes we bring a computer and a solar panel. And and gifts, like, to give to your host. Mm -hmm. and. Yeah, all this stuff. So we try to keep our personal stuff to a minimum. Usually we bring two or three outfits to wear 
and then pajamas. That's for a week or for six weeks, just FYI. Yeah. (laughs) It's the same no matter how long your filter gets. You just bring different amounts of soap, depending. (laughs) How much laundry am I going to have to do? Um, But we also have things that we like to bring that are quote unquote unnecessary, but I looked at the list that White wrote and I was like, all of these are necessary for me. <laughs> so the first one is instant coffee. But not just any instant coffee, like real coffee, instant coffee. Yeah, we love the Starbucks via packets. Yeah. But we've been discovering other brands yeah. as well, too, that are really good. Yeah. Because usually on field work, you'll usually get tea in the morning, but we're addicted to coffee. Yeah. And when you only slept three hours last night, <laughs> and then you need to be very patient with an old man that you're doing a word list with, it's really nice yeah. to have that little jolt of caffeine. Well, and plus a lot of times the tea that they give you is like not very strong at all. True. So yeah. if you're used to two cups of coffee and then you get like, you get like a cup of tea. Yeah, a fourth of a cup of coffee <laughs> yeah. equivalent, then yeah, it's rough. Mm-hmm. Another thing that we try to bring is at least some jewelry. So bracelets or bangles and nice earrings. Um, And it kind of almost when you're like packing to go on a field work, it almost doesn't make sense that you bring jewelry because you're like wearing very simple clothes and you might be like hiking for some of the days Mm -hmm. so you're wearing like trekking pants and boots and things like that so you're like i need to shed all unnecessary weight but you suddenly are at in the village and you're a professional person who is there to work and you need to look like you got more than three hours of sleep (laughs) and that you you know don't have more grease than hair currently (laughs) yeah i mean you're like standing up in front of a group of people explaining your work and to me it feels like just being respectful to the community Mm -hmm. i mean they might not be dressed up but sometimes they are sometimes they show up really dressed up because this is a very important thing to them is the program about their language and i feel like if you're wearing really frumpy clothes or if you don't have jewelry on and stuff that's kind of a sign to them that like you don't think that they're very important or you aren't respecting the situation. Yeah. So we so, do what we can to compensate for that. Yeah. Necessary. Yeah. Along with that is some kind of makeup. Every person, every girl who goes on survey has different like ideas of what necessary makeup is. Yes. So I bring foundation, mm-hmm. at least foundation and usually like blush. Mm. Yeah. Mine's mascara because yeah. I am the I have the blondest yep. eyelashes. And if I don't wear <laughs> mascara, I look like I haven't slept in two weeks or I'm 12 years old or both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny how that is. I have a friend who always, her thing was eyeliner. Mm. She's Asian. So she mm. has darker eyelashes. Like I have to have eyeliner. Yeah. So funny. Um, we already kind of mentioned this, but copious reading materials. This is where I used to be against e-readers like Kindles and stuff. It just isn't the same as a real book. But how handy is it to be able to bring your whole library with you in this tiny device? It's really convenient. We live in the future, and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And not only a Kindle, but you're like, well, I might need audiobooks for the bus. So I'm going to have like three audiobooks on my phone just in case, and then I'm going to have like a thousand books on my Kindle just in case. (laughs) 
So you just never know what the field work is going to throw at you. Yeah. But well, sometimes though, you read zero books on field yes, work. Yes, also that you're happened like the last so time. So busy, yeah. But the one bad thing about Kindles is that uh, it attracts bugs oh my at gosh. night. <laughs> yes. If you had your headlamp on, and my my touchscreen is really sensitive, so a bug will land on it, and then it turns the page. Yeah. I'm like, no, <laughs> stop. <laughs> Or like, I think the last one that we went on, I, uh, like a huge praying mantis landed on your screen. Yeah. Like, oh, what do I do? I, just, like, I just gave up. I was like, hey, I guess I'm not going to read today. I'm just going to bed. <laughs> so that's when audiobooks really come in handy. Yeah, that's true. It's not the bus. It's the bugs. It's the bugs. You heard it here first. <laughs> the thing that I like for the bus, too, is little candies. Yeah. I don't know why. Something about like, if you're feeling a little a bit ill or you're just like tired unhappy my friend started this trend she would bring little like coffee flavored candies mm-hmm. and i love them my other favorite is uh what are they called the ginger ones uh gingins yeah gingins yeah. they have a little drawing of yep. a ginger root <laughs> and he looks kind of like job of the hut yeah anyway if you never had a gingin highly recommended yep especially if you're traveling and feeling a bit ill and I brought some like new ones this time. They were like mints, but they're caffeinated. And those oh, were actually really good. Lifesaver. Yeah. They weren't they weren't lifesaver, but <laughs> not not the brand. <laughs> <laughs> Although lifesavers would be really great to bring. I haven't had a lifesaver in like ten years. Uh, no? That's... You don't like them? I mean yeah. They taste like my grandparents' house. I have zero opinion. You know what I like is the mints in that are all in the individually wrapped things that are bigger. They're like lifesavers, but big. And they're more the texture of dinner mints where they get all like, when you suck on them, they start to get all like porous. I can't think of what that is. <laughs> well, they're amazing. I promise. Are we thinking of the same thing for lifesavers? Maybe. Aren't lifesavers, don't they come in like the tube? Don't worry. I'm googling it see this is what i think of when i think yeah of but the savers oh you think of their mint flavored mm. i mean oh, I, I think, think of the hard both. candies that are multiple colors all the pictures here are let me make colored. sure because i might be calling something lifesaver that's not actually like lifesaver mint? mint oh yeah like this where they're individually yeah wrapped. yep my I'm grandparents the always had thing. them Growing mm, up. Like in a bowl. Yeah. Yeah, look at that. So oh. it's like, I don't even know what they actually taste like. They I'm just taste like their house. That. I know. They would be amazing for oh field gosh. work. I should get wintergreen flavor. We should. We both have friends hey, coming listeners, in November. Will you send us lifesavers in the yes. mail, please? <laughs> we will thank you for it on the podcast. Eternally. All right. Great. Uh, so cool fun. yeah so that's like you know our work and everything stuff. about about the glamorous part of our yes. work <laughs> the glamorous part with the baby poop and the <laughs> yeah. drunken marriage proposal soups glamorous. the good stuff you know you know it yeah mm. but it's fun we love it and we hope that you are enjoying hearing about it from us that was weird yeah you should ask us questions if that didn't make sense <laughs> Are you confused? Well, we have an email address. Yeah, we do. And an Instagram account and all the ways to contact us. We are begging for you to interact with us. We love it. We love it so much. Okay, so now it is time for our segment, 
which is actually mailbag this week. We have answers to a previously asked question, which is really exciting for us. So those of you who actually have answered our desperate pleas and have interacted with us thank you you guys are awesome it's like real delayed gratification for us because we record two episodes every other week <laughs> so we asked this question in our time like i don't know five weeks ago or <laughs> so a while back we asked the question to you guys if you had had any language blunders or had made any blunders while you were learning another language and so now we actually have some answers so one of my friends emailed us recently and was super excited about that and i want to read what um her language blunder was so she said until recently i was working as a family therapist with english and spanish-speaking families I was doing an activity about feelings with a little girl and her mom, both of whom I had just met. As I'm sure you both know, hunger, hambre, and man, hombre, are both very similar words in Spanish, and that the phrase for being hungry is literally to have hunger. The phrase I was going for was something like, how do you show that you're hungry? What I actually asked a three-year-old girl was, ¿Qué haces cuando tienes hombre? Or, what do you do when you have a man? (laughs) Oh, no. Fortunately, (laughs) mom was a good sport and thought it was hilarious. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's so good. I'm glad that other people around us also have good humor when we're, like, complete weirdos. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) You accidentally say the craziest things. Uh, So, yeah. Thanks, friend. We're totally with you. Mm -hmm. We've done that, too. (laughs) So our other mailbag response that I wanted to talk about, this isn't actually a language blunder, but it's just about language learning. So my friend is learning German and she's doing the, I don't know how to pronounce this, Pimsler method. Do you know that one? Pimsler? She said it Hmm. sounds really similar to the one that your mom did where you like listen and repeat a lot. Hmm. So she was saying that she likes it, but because it's the whole thing of like, you don't take notes when you you just it's all listening and speaking mm-hmm. so that you'll learn to get the accent and stuff but she said she's like concerned because in german the sounds are so different from in english she feels like she's always like is that a d or a t oh, was that an s or a z and she says i feel like i will be a little mind blown and illiterate if i ever need to know what these words look like <laughs> Like, girl, I feel you. Yes. That's exactly my problem with Nepali. You're better at reading Nepali than I am. I'm always like sounding it out really slowly. And then, like, it's like the Mad Gab game. <laughs> yeah. Like, suddenly all the pieces fall together and yeah. you're like, oh, that's that word. Amazing. Yeah, or, so. yeah, you're like, man, I have not been saying that. Like, I've been using a totally different letter. Mm-hmm. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. 
And the other thing she said is, she says, I keep trying to pronounce German with Spanish slash French slash Italian mouth. <laughs> it is so much easier and not tongue CrossFit compared with actual German. Oh my gosh, <laughs> tongue CrossFit. I love that. That is what learning a new language feels yes, like. It feels like you're lifting up tires and like weird <laughs> gym equipment. You're wrapping chains around yourself. <laughs> It's like exercising in a barn in yeah. the heat. <laughs> it is, though, because, like, even I've noticed Nepali and Spanish have very similar vowels, mm-hmm. but it's different enough that now when I try to speak Spanish, it feels so hard. Like, yeah. my mouth gets really tired getting into the right positions. Mm. Isn't that weird? All those tiny little muscles? Yeah, they're so small. It's you amazing. gotta work out. <laughs> you can't see white but she's like <laughs> pursing her lips and then smiling really fast <laughs> that's how you work out your mouth apparently <laughs> uh, yeah anyway thank you guys so much for writing into the podcast we love hearing from you and our mailbag question for you for next time is we want to hear tips from you about what else you think we should pack for our surveys Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us like your weird, cool snacks that you like to bring Mm -hmm. when you backpack or maybe like things that it would be entertaining and fun. And if you send them to us, then we might pack them. Oh, that would be glorious. We could do that. Yeah. I mean, we'll get them like in three months because of the mail system, but you know. There's more surveys to be had. Many more. Cool. Well, thanks again, you guys. Don't forget to follow us on all the social media, on our Instagram, our Facebook page, and also don't forget to rate our podcast if you haven't already done that. Go on iTunes and tell us what you think. And thanks to those who have rated us. I think we have like nine ratings, so feeling pretty popular. (laughs) We're basically queens. (laughs) Um, And speaking of thanks, thank you so much to our Patreon supporters. Uh, We now have both pigeons, which are the luckiest animals in Nepal, and street dogs, which are friendly but slightly mangy in our zoo of supporters. And if you're confused by that, you should probably check out our Patreon page and see what other amazing animals live in Nepal. And you should become one of them. Yep. You can find our Patreon page link at our Instagram page or our Facebook page. Or just the Googs. The Googs. Yep. We're on that. You find it. You know what we look like. And don't forget the big white secret. We like to think we're secret agents and or superheroes. So please share our podcast, but not with our personal names attached. Yep. Yep. Remember, don't forget, I'm big and i'm white get it right okay all right well should we hang up now i think so let's hang up okay all right okay all right okay great okay okay Okay. all right okay 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 all right